And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you, Steve Vaughn, also in studio today. And today we're coming back to popular culture because popular culture has such an influence today, much more than it did when Almanza Wilder, you know, farmer boy from the Little House on the Prairie series, he was growing up on the western side of New York State some 140 years ago. It wasn't as if he was plugged into Hollywood and Nashville and that pretty much established his worldview and his cultural outlook. No, no, that things have changed dramatically in just the last hundred years, more so than any other time in 6,000 years of world history, such that this tremendously powerful zeitgeist from pop culture defines the way our kids talk, the way they think, their attitudes, their perspectives, and ultimately framing their worldview. Well, popular culture is the most powerful teaching of the day. Certainly, parents and pastors have almost no influence today. Now, they have some influence, but but very little in comparison to the teaching that goes on with popular culture. So we tie back into popular culture from time to time. And Steve, I was I was pretty excited. I thought to myself, there must be a virtual reformation of popular culture these days when on Monday morning I visited the American Country Music Awards and found the coveted Entertainment of the Year Award going to Thomas Ritt and Carrie Underwood and their comments at the ACH Awards. I thought this was really amazing. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, let me play this for our listening audience. This is at the ACM Awards ceremony over the weekend as Thomas Rhett receiving his award for Entertainment of the Year 2020. And Carrie Underwood follows up as well. But uh, What is happening right now? There he is. <laughs> okay, I have 27 seconds. Thank you. Thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ, my, my Lord and Savior. Thank you so much to my wife, um, my baby girls who are watching this right now. Willa Gray, I love you. Eddie James, I love you. Lennon, I love you. Um, to my management, to my record label, to my, uh, my publishers, to Live Nation, everybody that's made this possible, to my band and crew who have put in countless hours uh, just making our show what it is. Thank you to the fans. Thank you to the ACMs. I love you. I love you. Thank you. All right, so Thomas Rutt receiving his... Entertainment of the Year Award, and then Carrie Underwood steps up as well after she's announced. Um, tied with Tiara tonight as Entertainer of the Year, Carrie Underwood. All right, so then she steps up, and I don't want to describe how she's dressed. I'd rather not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. she steps up to receive this uh, award. 2020, man. Um, <laughs> Thank you, God, so much. Um, all glory. Glory to God. Um, all right, so there it is. Um, so it must be something of a reformation of culture happening yeah. in America. Steve, Steve, I'm a bit torn, though. I'm really torn all all glory this. to God. All the glory to God. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That Yeah, must be. I, I'm excited. <laughs> well, and here's the tough part about it, Steve, is that uh, Carrie Underwood is known to be one of the most anti-Christian, anti-godly, anti-everything that's a biblical uh, outlook in terms of country music stars in our world today. So, you know, again, this is why I'm so torn on this one, Steve, is Carrie Underwood just came out with Love Wins on her recent album. I'm not sure if that was playing in the background or what was playing in the background, but that's her big, you know, big hit, Love Wins. And she's coming out with her pro-homosexual agenda. She's all mad at conservative Christians who would take a position against homosexual marriage, politics, prejudice, how the quote unquote hell did it ever come to this when everybody's got to pick a side, don't matter if you're wrong or right, and on and on and on goes. So, you know, got sort of this antinomian, autonomous, 
this. Humans can do whatever they want to do because who cares uh, kind of an attitude. And yet she gives all the glory to God. So, again, this is what we're seeing. And by the way, she also says married person. I don't know what it's like to be told I can't marry somebody I love when I want to marry. I can't imagine how that must feel. I definitely think we should all have the right to love and to love publicly the people that we want to love, meaning that uh, people who want to marry in the homosexual way have the perfect right to do that. And uh, she defines love according to the modern zeitgeist of any form of lust or any form of violation of God's principles that uh, people want to apply. And and what if you lo- want to love more than one woman? I mean, that you know, so why not you know polygamy, polyamory, all of those types of things as well, you know, or brother and sister, or father and daughter, or because I mean, there's there can be that type of incestual love. What's wrong with that in, in Carrie Underwood's uh, worldview? It can't be anything wrong with that because you should be able to love whoever you want to love. Yeah, she seems to be open to any form of autonomy, meaning. Whatever the zeitgeist is saying, she seems to be open for it, and she's not going to commit herself to the commandments of Jesus. She's not going to love the commandments of God. So am I supposed to be excited about Carrie Underwood and Thomas Rhett and this amazing revival of the Christian faith in the American heartland? I guess that's my question. We're going to come back to that in a moment on the Generations Broadcast. Ever since the creation of the Garden of Eden, Satan has been working his hardest to erase the knowledge of God and seduce the creatures made in God's image to think that they are the center of the universe. One look at today's society and you see his progress. Humanistic thought has inundated our culture and we can trace its roots directly back to the classroom and the textbooks we're setting in front of our kids. That's why every Christian homeschool parent should have a curriculum that's not only rock solid academically, but most importantly will point students back to their creator as the source of all wisdom and knowledge and to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you've been struggling to find such a curriculum, look no further. Here at Generations, we've spent over 15 years developing our Christian discipleship curriculum to help Christian homeschool parents like you pass on the faith to your children by teaching a God-centered view of life and integrating the Bible into every lesson. Our goal is to not only help you meet your students' academic needs, but also to assist you in discipling your children for generations to come. So get started today with our Christian Discipleship Curriculum and watch your children marvel, learn, and mature as they embark on a God-focused learning adventure to discover more about the world around them and the one who made it all. You can learn more about our curriculum resources and pick up our newly released 5th grade curriculum pack today at generations.org slash curriculum. That's generations.org slash curriculum. And we are back on the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you. Steve Vaughn also with me. Friends, country music represents the heartland of America. And for that reason, I think we get something of a representation of the American religion. And, you know, I was a country music radio announcer, a country music disc jockey on the central coast of California back in the 1980s. And, Steve, it's a bit of a mix. It's true. 
here's the problem is that there's so much in country music that violates God's law and encourages others to live in violation of the laws of God. And so I found myself reducing the playlist quite a bit. It seemed to me that the rotation was cut from, you know, 78 songs to 14 songs when Kevin Swanson took his shift because I just simply couldn't play some of that stuff. You know, it was just uh, glorifying drunkenness and glorifying adultery and that sort of thing was fairly common in the country music genre. And, you know, you can only play Randy Travis forever and ever. Amen. So many times before the listening audience is a little tired of the single being played over and over and over again. So my country music stint on country music stations didn't last very long. Yeah, I could see why. Um, the, it it's just it's crazy. You you get saved in one song, and then you you're having fornication in another song, and now it doesn't even seem to be like that. It's it's all in the same song. That you know, hey, thank you God for the fornication I'm about to experience. It's it's just craziness. Yeah, it's one of the famous country music singers said something to the effect of, "You can get laid and saved in the same song." When it comes to the country music genre. And uh, and Thomas Rhett is no exception to the rule on this. Uh, you know, he steps up and he's thanking Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, and so the so on and so forth at the American Country Music Award ceremonies. And you know, his music is uh, is is really worldly, meaning it's based in the world's principles and the world's values, the world's ethical systems. Uh, you take something like beer can't fix. You and your girl had a fight, and now she's saying goodbye. She ran upstairs and packed her bags, meaning you're living in fornication, and she's leaving. Could be raining or your perfect vacation. You could be stressed about your work situation. Ain't nothing a beer can't fix. Ain't no pain it can't wash away. Now, that runs headlong against a biblical world and life view. That 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 runs headlong against... I think everything Jesus taught us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think it pretty pretty much opposes every value a Christian holds to. No, no. The beer can't fix it, but Jesus can by his sacrifice on the cross. This is the problem. Man's problem is sin, and his only salvation can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he doesn't bring that into his music. It's as if somehow he's got this Sunday experience with Jesus but the rest of his life is framed by an unbiblical worldview. This is massive dualism. And you take another, I mean, I could go over his songs over and over again, but, uh, you know, it's like I heard the angels singing, like she came down from the ceiling when she walked in here this evening. I thought, that girl's one in seven billion, got everything in here feeling like there's a fire in the building. I know I'll never lose my faith, that is in her. Look what God gave her, how perfect he made her. She walks in the room. It's like he answered my prayers the way that she moves. Uh, Got that look in her eyes, swear she fell out of the sky. It's like he answered my prayers. You know, God has given her sexual appeal. and, And I have this wonderful opportunity to lust after her. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. I'm not getting that worldview in this number from Thomas Rhett. Yeah, it seems to be um, more of the Proverbs 7 kind of woman than the Proverbs 31 woman. 
That's that, you know, and I, I think that's what you're getting. But now, what what's the root issue here? I, I think it's the fact that you have this massive dualism, the sacred secular break, where people can claim a little affinity to Jesus, they can have a little religious experience on a Sunday morning, but it really doesn't affect their life. And of course, country music is probably the best manifestation of this kind of a an antinomian worldview. Charlie Rich in the 1970s came up with Rollin' with the flow. You remember, while other guys are raising kids, I'm quote-unquote raising hell just like I did. Jesus loves me, this I know, and so I'll keep on rolling with the flow. So I can do whatever I want to do. And you know what? This Jesus just lets me do whatever I want to do. And it's just the neatest little life. I, I can be assured that he's okay with all of the wicked behavior of my life. He, he will not cleanse me from my sin. I don't even want to be cleansed from my sins. And I think he even refers to, you know, uh, he forgives me of my sins. So there's that forgiveness of sins. Uh, in Charlie Rich's song, Rolling with the Flow, but it's all because Jesus loves me, this I know, that I keep on rolling with the flow. That is, because Jesus will not cleanse me from my sins, and I don't even want him to cleanse me from my sins, he'll just let me do whatever I want to do, and I have no concern about my conscience, I have no concern about condemnation, I have no concern about eternal judgment— I'm just going to roll with the flow, and I'm just going to roll my way right into the flames of hell forever. That's that's the evangelical Christian worldview that has been so perverted over the last, say, 50, 60 years, and it's so well reflected in the country music genre. Yeah, it, it's the the saying. I mean, I've heard this before that you know, as long as you have you know accepted Jesus into your heart, you can sin as you please because you'll still go to heaven when you die. You know, so you, you end up going to church on Sunday, you give him some lip service here and there, and you know that then you can do whatever you want as long as you confess it, and then he you know forgives you and you'll go to heaven when you die. But you know, the First John says. If you continue sinning, then then we know that you're not you, you don't belong to God. You know, if you say that you have no sin, then truth's not in you. Uh, if you continue in your sin, the truth's not in you. And so, if you think that just because you've given Jesus lip service, you can sin as you please because you'll go to heaven when you die, Paul even answers that question: Should we sin all the more so that grace can abound? Why would you even think such a thing? Jesus saved you from that life. That's not the life that you should want to live at all. If you've been saved, He changes your want tos, is what Ezekiel says. He's coming to your heart and He's causing you to walk in your ways, making you careful to obey His statutes. That's the true mark of the Christian wanting to be different than the world, not to be worldly, and, and so I can sin as I please because I'm going to go to heaven when I die. That's not the Christian life. First Corinthians chapter 6 says, No fornicator, no homosexual shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, such were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been set free, you have a new identity in Jesus. There has to be a such were some of you kind of a factor working in us if we are participating in the kingdom of God. I think that's the point 
that needs to come back again. The separation of a justification, sanctification, the mind of so many evangelicals is the wrong faith. It's the wrong religion. This idea that Jesus forgives us but doesn't cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This idea that we can be justified but God doesn't put a new life in us. He doesn't enable us to uh, get up and walk in newness of life. He doesn't set us free from the bondage of sin. This idea that he can forgive us, but he certainly cannot change our nature, and he certainly cannot enable us to mortify our sinful lusts and then get up and walk in newness of life. That is not the gospel. That's not the Christian faith. The gospel is that Jesus came not just to save us from the guilt of sin, but to save us from our sins. That is, he would save us from the bondage of sin, the corruption of sin, the punishment of sin, every aspect of sin. That's why he came. And here we get something of a glimpse into the American soul. We get a glimpse into the American heartland, the American heart, as we hear from Carrie Underwood and Thomas Rhett. We see this is the wrong Jesus. This is the sentimental Jesus. This is the Jesus that loves you, but he can't really help you. He might be able to give you a little health and wealth, or maybe he can give you a little self-confidence boost today, but he can't do much more than that. The American Jesus is a powerless Jesus. It's a religion that's a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. That's the way the apostle puts it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Mm-hmm. It's a religion where there's no resurrection. There's just no power over sin. There's no nothing that can enable us to be set free from the bondage of sin and give us a, a new purpose, a new motive, a new value system. It just simply does not enable us to love God and to love his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so there'll be something of a commitment to the commandments of God within the Christian life. Rather, what we find here with this country music is a constant capitulation to sin. Now, this evangelicalism is something of a weird Gnostic cult, a fundamental syncretism. I wonder sometimes, why don't they just have a sexual orgy in the worship service? Well, no, maybe they do that in some of these concerts. I don't know. I haven't been there. But it wouldn't surprise me that there were sexual orgies going on in the worship service involved in this American religion. You know, and this shouldn't surprise us at all because in the Old Testament Israel, they had something of a syncretism going on as well. The Old Testament Israel would refer to Jehovah God. They'd sing the hymns, they'd hold to the spirituals, but they just synthesized or syncretized Baal with Jehovah. Remember when Jeroboam set up the golden calves in the centers of worship outside of Jerusalem? Uh, The worship of Mm -hmm. Yahweh in the form of a bull opened the door for this influence from Canaanite culture and religion, and that all entered into the northern kingdom. In Hosea 8, we find a criticism of this calf worship. In other words, Yahweh God said, no, I'm not receiving this calf. This isn't me. I have spurned your calf, O Samaria. My, my anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? No, yeah, they referred to Yahweh. They referred to Jesus. They referred to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they committed to him as their Savior and Lord and all of that. They had all that language down straight, but they had syncretized the Baal worship into the worship of God. And he said, you know, my anger burns against them. How long will they be capable of of uh, this, or incapable of innocence, for it is from Israel, a craftsman made it, it's not from God, the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. So that kind of syncretism is going to go away. Now, I think my recommendation is, friends, 
remember that true Christians are those who keep the faith of Jesus, who saves us from our sins, and they keep the commandments of God. And these guys aren't keeping the faith of Jesus, saves us from our sins, and they're not keeping the commandments of God. That's the problem. They're not incorporating the commandments of God into the warp and the woof of their lives. And we need to be doing that, of course, Monday through Friday. Our work life needs to be different because we're Christians. Our cultural life, as we're involved in making music, making movies, we need to see something distinctively different from the world. Uh, We need to have a different value system that shows up in our songs relating to food and drink and sexuality. We need to see something different, something significantly different when we bring our faith into our cultural expressions. And if we're involved in politics, certainly our political positions, our political activities should be vastly different than that which happens with your typical Republicans and Democrats, as we are involved, as we take our faith and the commandments of God with us in every aspect of our lives. Now, I think it would be better to listen to just all-out pagan music than to listen to this Thomas Rhett stuff, because here's the problem. It besmirches the name of Christ. He brings Christ into it. He brings Jesus, the name of Jesus, into it, while at the same time he's upholding the world's values and pretends as if Jesus himself is supporting these values. There's just an increased level of insidiousness in all of this that's intended to entrap Christians, and I don't like it. Now, this is a genre, and it represents about 40 to 50 percent of Americans who were traditional church attenders, and now they're expressing their true love. They're leaving the churches in droves, and I think this is a temporary genre. This Thomas Rhett, Carrie Underwood genre is only a temporary genre in which, uh, well, they're just expressing their true love, and they're, of course, in the process of leaving the church in droves. It's about 40-50% of America right now, and uh, this genre is speaking to their hearts as they embrace these other values, while at the same time holding on to a little bit of that Yahweh stuff, but uh, they're in the process of apostasy. And this is apostate music. That's what's happening right now in the American heartland. What we need to be doing, though, is, friends, let's just turn back to Christ. Let's love him who is our Savior, a true Savior, who truly saves us from these evil commitments to alcohol and as a Savior, as, as an idol, and uh, saves us from this uh, this ungodly sexuality and this lust that just dominates in the hearts of men and women in the world. Uh, we're saved from this, and we're praising God. We're praising Jesus that he saves us from the bondage of this lust and this idolatry. Our, our lives should be filled with songs, absolutely, but not just listening to songs. I want to encourage people. You know, the Bible encourages us to sing. Sing to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Friends, we need to be living our lives in thanksgiving to God. Let's be singing Psalm 103 every day. O come, my soul, bless thou the Lord thy maker, and all within me bless his holy name. Let's, let's sing the psalms of God every day in our homes. Sing them in the car, sing in the shower, sing wherever you are. But let's be singing the hymns and the psalms of God. And, and by the way, one more thing. There are decent musicians we can sing along with. And uh, I'd encourage you to check out Nathan Clark George, Fernando Ortega, some great music out there. Just bring, you know, follow the guys who are committed to the Lord. 
Follow the guys that are walking with the Lord. I know Nathan Clark George personally. I think you do too, Steve. But these are guys who love God. They yeah. do. Their lives reflect it. They're raising their children, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And uh, they are faithful uh, in their church context. And, and their music reflects it. So, friends, tune into the better musicians. Now, this may not be exactly your genre, but tune into the musicians. Their lives themselves uh, consistently reflect a commitment to Jesus and a commitment to the laws of God. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, friends. You can interact with the program by emailing me directly at host to kevinswanson.com. Encourage you to our little book on pop culture, where we cover the country music genre as well as the contemporary Christian music genre and uh, music, movies, you name it, even tattoos. Uh, We deal with popular culture in our little book, The Tattooed Jesus. Available at our website, kevinswanson.com or generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson, and we invite you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.